Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys this morning. Hey, my name is Randy Unruh. I am um, the youth and families pastor at Fellowship of the Rockies in Colorado Springs. Um, your sister church there, whether you know that or not. And uh, I am the youth and families there. We got a couple of campuses down there. And, um, and I, I uh, have been a part of Fellowship of the Rockies. I came to Fellowship of the Rockies from Texas back in 2004 um, and got a chance to be the youth and families pastor there for about eight years. I moved over to the Western Slope and pastored for about three and a half years, and then came back to Fellowship of the Rockies about four years ago to continue doing youth and families. And so I say that because, man, there's been a lot of times over the years that, that we have got to, we as a youth group, our youth group at Fellowship of the Rockies, Colorado Springs, has spent a lot of time with Fellowship of the Rockies in Pueblo doing camps together and retreats together and things. And so um, I have been a long time been a fan of, of uh, Fellowship of the Rockies here in Pueblo. And somewhat of a fan of Charlie, but yeah, I'm not going to tell him that because he's not here this morning. Um, no, Charlie is, gr- is, is amazing, and him and Stu, our pastor, are great friends. He's out, you know, he's out doing a wedding this weekend, which is why I get to come and be a part of your, your services this weekend. So I'm glad to be here and, and honored to get to be here with you guys. And, and yeah, thank you. And so a little bit about myself. I am married. I've, had, I've been married for oh, 29 years here back in May, so it's been uh, to an amazing, my, my amazing wife named Karen, and I have four kids. I have uh, a son, 26-year-old, next week, no, two weeks from now, special needs son um, named Seth. Then I have three daughters, um, Abby, Hannah, Chloe, 22, 20, and 18. So I have one, my last one in high school this next year. And, and I want you to pray for me because I, I've done a pretty good job as a dad in all these years of my daughters, but I've failed recently because I've just found out, not, I didn't just find out, I know that all three of my daughters for the first time in history all have a boyfriend at the same time, okay? <laughs> I've been doing really good keeping those scumbag boys away, but I've failed all of a sudden. Um, and I found out pretty recently my, my oldest daughter, she goes to school in, in Louisiana, well, her boyfriend's coming to visit in a couple of, in a couple of weeks, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to have a talk, or he's going to have to talk. Too much information for you, but just pray for me, okay, as I'm dealing with men walking into my girls' lives, and, uh, and, and you know, I've been telling my girls for years, all, all guys, all guys are scum. They just are, right? And they haven't believed me, and so now I'm stuck with three boyfriends in my girls' lives. So be praying for that. Um, you know, this morning, guys, I, you know, when I was... Look at what I wanted to speak and share with you guys this morning. I, um, I know that over the course of my life, now, guys, I grew up as a pastor's kid most of my life. I went to Christian schools. I went to Bible college. I've been doing ministry full-time for almost 30 years now. And, and yet, every time I, I, I look at the three years of Jesus' life, you know, those three years that we, get to, that we get to see in Scripture, those three years of ministry that we get to read about, you know, it, it amazes me all the time. There's, there's so many things that he said or things that he did, um, illustrations that he used, that makes me ask the question of, of what? Like, what did he just say? What, what, what did he mean by that, right? Or what, what was the purpose of that story? And, and I've asked the question a lot. And, and I think, at times, I think if you go to church much, you've been in church a long time, there are certain passages of Scripture, certain things that are um, referred to Jesus's talks, that Jesus talks about, um, and we hear it again and again and again, and because we hear it again and again and again, it kind of, um, it, it, uh, it just kind of goes one ear, one in, one in and right out the other side, right? I mean, um, and in fact, in fact, I think sometimes even the more seasoned or mature believers, right, someone's been around uh, God a long time in their lives, 
Um, they, or even a pastor, they'll, they'll take it for granted that they'll throw out a phrase and think, well, everybody understands what that means, and then we, we move on to the next, to the next thing. And, and I want to look at a, a, kind of a classic phrase. You know, we talked about praising, you know, Trey talked about praising the name of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus, there's a lot of different names for, for Jesus throughout Scripture. And, and one of the things in John 6, verse 35, where Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, Right, the bread of life. And, and I think many of us in this room, if you've been in church much, you've heard that phrase. You've heard Jesus referred to as the bread of life. But what does that really mean to us? What did it mean to the people that he was talking to when he said this? Um, and, and I think we all in here understand the importance of bread, right? How many of you guys in here in the last 24 hours, you've had some sort of a bread product that you ate? Anybody? Look around. Okay. Most of us have eaten something, Right. Uh, because bread is a, it's a, kind of a staple of our diets. Even you people who have to eat the gluten-free stuff, okay? Uh, and I'm sorry for you. I really am because that stuff is just gross, all right? Um, I've tried it. I've got some friends. I've got a young lady in our church that, man, she's a great cook, great baker, but she's gluten-free. And so every once in a while, she comes to me with this new thing she's baked and said, Randy, try this. I promise it tastes just like the real thing. And I try it. And it doesn't. It tastes like the real thing, all right? It's just gross. But, but even, even though we still have that, we have breads and we have, you know, we have, and there's pizzas and there's pastries and there's all these things that we do that, that bread products are a part of, of who we are. In fact, when I was growing up, and, and I'm not that old, but when I was growing up, there were two kinds of bread that we could have, right? We had wheat bread and we had white bread. That's what I had a choice. Right? That's it. And if it was something fancy, I went to my grandma's house, who was a great baker. We'd have some rye bread, right, every once in a while. And that was it. But, but now, you walk into any Subway, and you have this plethora of choices of the kind of breads. In fact, I went in to Subway yesterday to see what, their, what the breads were for sure right now. And, and right now, guys, you can, have, you can have white or wheat, of course, still. Um, or you can have a nine-grain wheat, a multi-grain flatbread, a white flatbread, an Italian, an Italian herb and cheese, a nine-grain honey oat, and, and I'm sure that next week there'll be something new, right? Uh, there's just so many different choices with the bread. And we, so we understand bread and bread in our societies, and, you know, it's, it's a staple. It's an important thing. But it also was in the Scripture. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, we see how important bread really was. When the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt... Right out of all those years of slavery, and they were heading to the promised land, and they made some, make, th- th- some mistakes, and they had to wander around for 40 years in the desert, God supplied them with two miraculous things to keep them going, right? He gave them quail for meat, and he gave them manna from heaven, manna that they could make breads and cakes with. I mean, it, it was a staple of what they needed in order to live. And then you get to the New Testament, and here's Jesus, the night... Before he's about to be crucified, he has the last supper with his disciples. And what's he do? He breaks bread to represent his broken body. I mean, this bread is very important in, in Scripture, and it, and it goes throughout Scripture. And then we get to this book of John, chapter 6. And if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, if you want to open up to John, chapter 6, that's where we're going to be uh, the rest of the morning. But, but in John, chapter 6, we see that the people following Jesus ask him a question. They're trying to, in fact, they, they reminded him of a story, trying to get an answer from him. And they, they go in John chapter 6, verse 30, and this is what they say. They, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Right, they've been following Jesus a little bit. They, they've heard him claim some pretty big claims, like he's the Messiah. 
He's God in flesh and all these kind of things. So they're, they're saying, prove it to us. How are you going to show us that you really are who you say you are? Then in verse 31, they said this, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They said, hey, tell us if you really are who you say you are, prove it to us. Back in the day when, when our families were in the desert, God gave them manna from heaven. So what are you going to do for us to prove it? So let's look at a little bit of a history of, this, of why they got to this question. Why are they asking him this question at this moment? All right. Well, first of all, Jesus, at the beginning of this chapter, um, just a few days before, he had fed the 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread. And, of course, if, if you know the story, it says in the Bible that he fed 5,000 men, meaning that there were, uh, um, there were also women and children there. So this number could have been anywhere from ten to 15,000 people that Jesus fed with those two fish and those five loaves of bread. A lot of these people were there at that time, right? And, and, and a few years ago, um, I got a chance to go uh, to Israel and, and visit uh, the Holy Land. And, and I'm telling you, as a pastor, uh, it changed how I read Scripture, getting to be able to be in Israel and see that. If you ever get that chance, it's an amazing trip. And, and I took lots of pictures, and, I, and we got to spend some time at the Sea of Galilee, where a lot of this, this stuff takes place. And I took a lot of pictures, and then when I was looking for those pictures to show you guys, I couldn't find my pictures. So I downloaded some pictures that look just like my pictures, I promise, okay? You just have to take my word for it. But, but when you get to this place, there's, a, there's this side of the mountain on the Sea of Galilee. I got a picture. And, and this is kind of where they think that Jesus may have fed the 5,000, the 15,000, right? He's, he is somewhere on that mountainside, on that hillside. People are gathered around. This little boy has his lunch. Two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus does this miraculous thing where he breaks it all up and feeds everybody. Okay, it's an amazing thing. A lot of these people were there. That's why they're asking this question now about manna from heaven, right? And then Jesus says, after that's over, he sends everybody home. He sends his disciples on a boat. He walks down to the, to the Sea of Galilee, which is the next picture I have. Just, just notice. And it's just, basically it's a big lake is what the Sea of Galilee is. And he walks down. He sends the disciples out on a boat. He says, go across. I'll catch up with you. Then he goes back to, to, to try to recuperate. Man, he's, he's tired. He's been teaching. He's been doing all these things. He needs a rest. He finally decides to go catch up with his disciples. And this is in the story where he walks on the water to get to the disciples in the boat. And that's, of course, a whole other story. Um, and he gets to the boat. He jumps in the boat with them. Um, and then they go across to Capernaum. Now, they're in this city of Capernaum. Capernaum and, and the crowd that he had fed... The crowd a few days later is thinking, we need to find this Jesus guy again. We need to find out where he is because if he can keep feeding us like he did, we want some more of that. So they seek him out and they find him in Capernaum. And, and this is where we see him having this conversation now with this crowd of people. Asking him about this manna from heaven. Prove who you are. Okay? So they said, Moses did this, right? This is, this is miracle from heaven. So then Jesus comes back to them in John 6 in verse 32 and he says to them this. He said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Guys, again, we talked a little bit about the importance of bread. But let's look at some things that bread, 
the physical bread that we get to eat on a regular basis can do for us. Because, first of all, bread, and this is in your notes there, bread can nourish me, right? Bread can nourish me. It can nourish us. Um, I went, when I was doing some study for this, I went and looked, found an article um, called Bread in Your Health, and it's the benefits of wheat bread, okay? Just, just so you know, here's some benefits of wheat bread. Uh, there are many health benefits of eating whole wheat bread. It says, not just the high content of fiber. Whole wheat bread is also loaded with vital nutrients, such as vitamins, minerals, uh, niacins that are very important to your health, and weight maintenance as well. Studies have shown that women who eat whole wheat instead of white breads weigh much less and are better able to maintain their healthier weights. Inflammation is lessened by people who eat healthy wheat breads on a regular basis. And the risk of type 2 diabetes and heart diseases are lowered as well. Wheat bread keeps your digestive system on track and decreases problems um, of the gastrointestinal tracts. The fiber content within wheat breads has been shown to protect women of the premenopausal age against cancer within the breasts. The women in these studies ate at least 30 grams per day. These breads will be of great benefit to your heart in several ways. Cholesterol can be lowered. Blood pressure and glucose levels can be regulated also. Wheat, wheat bread, it can nourish you. It can, it can make you healthier. If you eat the right amounts and you, and you are constant in this, it can nourish you. Bread can do that. Bread can also satisfy me. Bread can satisfy me. How many of you guys in here have ever eaten at Texas Roadhouse? Anybody? Okay. I love the food at Texas Roadhouse. I love their steaks. I get the kebab a lot, too, I like. I, that's my, my go-to meal. Maybe the chicken fried chicken. That's really good as well. But here's the problem with Texas Roadhouse. It's those basket of rolls they bring out first, right? Not just the basket of rolls, but that honey butter that comes with that. How many of you have ever eaten at Texas Roadhouse, got to your meal, and were already full because of the rolls? Anybody besides me? Thank you, right? Because, no, bread can satisfy you, right? It'll fill you up. And I like a good sandwich. I'm a, I'm a big peanut butter and honey sandwich. That's my, my sandwich. And, and I guess I could just take a spoonful of peanut butter and a spoonful of honey and just eat it like that. But it sure is a lot more satisfying when I put it on those two pieces of bread, right, make myself a sandwich, right? Because, because bread can nourish and bread can satisfy. Bread can also sustain us. It can sustain me. Whether you know it or not, you can actually live on just bread and water for, for several months. Now, it couldn't go much longer than that because then... Um, your immune system starts to break down, um, but, but you could. You could actually just live on some bread and water for a while because bread can nourish us and satisfy us and sustain us. And, and here's the people that, that Jesus are talking to. They understand bread. They understand those things about bread. They understand there's an importance of bread in their society because it does all those things. But guys, majority of this crowd were on that hillside when Jesus fed them. They were there. They, they saw him do something that they have never seen before. They were personally involved in that event. They ate of that bread. They ate those fish. They ate till they were full. And now, and, they, and, and they'd all heard how it came about. They all knew that there was just this little boy with his lunch and that Jesus had done this crazy, miraculous thing to feed all of them until they were full. And now they're looking for more. Right? They want some more substance to Jesus' teachings. I mean, these teachings are great, but if he can keep feeding us, right, and saving us, that's, that's a huge thing. If they could just follow this teacher around and keep getting fed, life would be good. So when Jesus comes to them in verse 35 and says, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, I bet you heard a lot of people in that, con in that crowd saying things like, 
what did he just say? Did he just say what I think he said? If we stick with him, we'll continually get fed and never be hungry or thirsty again? They were kind of zoned, zoned in on that. So before Christ could let them get too sidetracked with that whole idea of the physical bread and everything, he, he, he said, let me explain to you what I really mean by this being the bread of life. And this is when he starts talking a little bit more about the definition of the bread of life. And this is where we get to the rest of our notes where we see that, guys, first of all, Jesus as the bread of life, he can nourish me. He can nourish us. You, you keep looking in this scripture in verse 32 and 33, and Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who has given you the, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Of course, talking about himself. Now, I, I know that by looking at my, wow, he must go to the gym every day and work out physique, that you can't tell, but I'm not a very healthy eater, okay? I'm not a healthy eater. I, I do not do well with healthy foods. I'm a junk food. I'm just a junk food guy. I just really am. I, I, I love my chips and I love my pastries. I have a cup of, I have a, a Dr. Pepper right down here right now because that's my, the nectar of the gods, Dr. Pepper, just so you know, okay? But I do. I mean, I'm not a healthy eater. Um, in fact, I can probably just count on one hand the vegetables that I like to eat, okay? I like corn, all right? I like green beans if, if I'm in the mood for green beans, okay? I like cream corn. I can count that twice, right, corn? All right, I do. Um, I like my peppers, and I like onions, and I like radishes. I like corn on the cob. I mean, how many, I'm not sure how many ways you need corn, but, um, but I do. I mean, I, 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 but you get to broccoli or Brussels sprouts or spinach or mushrooms or zucchinis, or blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of the healthy foods, right? And, and I know what's healthy for me. And, and so sometimes I try to force myself to eat those healthy foods, right? And then force myself not to throw up later. But I do eat some of that stuff. And I was a horrible example to my children, my girls, because I, my, you know, Karen would make vegetables for everybody, and I wouldn't eat them, right? You eat them, but I'm not eating them. I'm the adult here. I don't have to eat vegetables anymore, right? I don't have to do that. Do as I say, not as I do. That was, that was the kind of philosophy. But I just, I'm just not a healthy eater. And here's Jesus coming to this crowd saying, if you want to be healthy spiritually, there's only one thing that can, that, can, that, can, that can nourish you. There's only one thing, and that's me. He's saying, if you, everyone in this place, everyone in this room, everybody in that crowd he was talking to, Right? We're all looking for something to fill us. See, and, 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 and we were all created with this, this, this God-shaped void, whole need in our lives. We all have it. And, yet, and we all try to fill it with so many different things. We try to fill it with success or, or money or relationships or work or, or play. And we try to fill that hole. They can only be filled, only can be nourished through the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. And when we try to fill that void with other things, we just remain empty. We still feel empty. We keep searching because we keep being empty. Jesus is telling this crowd and he's telling us that the bread from heaven, the bread that came from heaven himself, is the bread that gives life, is the bread that gives sustenance to a world in great need of being filled. Here's where this key thought comes in. It's on your notes. Jesus wants us to know that he not only wants to be the one who nourishes us, he is the only thing that can nourish us. 
the bread of life. He nurses. If we want to live, if we want to live a fulfilled spiritual life, his nourishment is all we need. That's it. So Jesus, the bread of life, can nourish us. Second, Jesus, the bread of life, can satisfy me. Right? He can satisfy me. You go back to this in verse 34, and, and after they heard about this bread of life, they immediately said, they said, um, always give us this bread, right? Because they were, they were thinking physical bread, fill me up from now on. Always give us this bread. Then you jump um, a few verses later, verse, verse 47 in John chapter 6. And here's what Jesus tells them. He says, very truly, I tell you that the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here... Here is the bread of life. Here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Guys, the crowd hears that statement that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And they immediately say, give us that bread. We don't ever want to go hungry. Give us that bread. He then goes on, though, to explain what eternal life really is, what eternal life is all about. And it always amazes me to watch how amazing of a teacher Jesus was, right? Because he would take any situation, any group that he had, and he wouldn't go into some, some theological PhD-type um, message at them. No, he would take something that he knew they would understand, and he used that to drive home a point, to drive home an illustration. Guys, again... These guys, most of these people are just, they'd, sit, they'd sat on that mountainside a few days before, and Jesus had fed them with fish and bread, right? They, they've seen with their own eyes what he's capable of. So when he has the opportunity to explain to them eternal life, he uses something that they already know, that they already understand. He says, remember that bread that your ancestors ate? Because they all know the story of the manna from heaven, right? The miracle of, of manna, because they'd already brought it up to him. They, they all know that. So he said, remember that, that miracle? All those people that ate that bread, even though it was miraculous, they all still died. He says, but there's another kind of bread, another kind of bread from heaven, me, and I can make all the difference in the world for your eternity. You, you enter into a relationship with me, you will never die. These verses, man, and those verses have so much more to say because in those, just those few verses we just read, he talks, he talks about who he really is, right? God in the flesh. He tells them that he is the only way to heaven and he also tells them that he's going to die for them so that they can have eternal life. See, the key thought there, Jesus reminds them and he reminds us that he is the only one that can give eternal life, right? It's not, not the works that you do, not being good enough, not knowing the right people, not even knowing the Bible, none of those things can get you to heaven. Only way you can get to heaven is through the bread of life that can satisfy you, Jesus Christ. And then the third thing he says about himself as the bread of life is, is Jesus can sustain me, right? He can sustain me. He can nourish me. He can satisfy me. He can sustain me. Let's go back to verse 37. It says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of, none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. He's making several promises there to us. He's telling people, that I am the only way to get to heaven. And, and I'm going to ask you a tough question, I think. And if you're a believer in this room this morning, this may be a tough question because it's, it's tough for believers sometimes to be honest about this question. Because if they answer honestly, then it makes them maybe look um, a little bit unfaithful or, or maybe even a little bit weak. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is not a raise your hand question. This is a in your head, in your heart, answer this question. Have you ever doubted your eternal security in Christ? Have you ever doubted that? That's, I, I was saved at six years old. And, and here's the thing. From the day before I asked Christ in my life to the day after I asked Christ in my life, not a lot of things changed in my life at six years old. So there are times in my life later on where I had some doubts about my eternal security. Did this really happen? Am I really saved? Am I, there were some doubts in my, in my, in my life. And maybe you've had some of those doubts. Maybe there's been times where you've looked at your life, the choices that you were making at that particular time, the inability to, to feel like, like, like Christ was close to you in a very difficult time, and you may have doubted that you were really in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me follow up with another question. If, if all of us in this room were, were transported from right here in this room, and we're now transported before God, and the throne at the gates of heaven. And here's God sitting on his throne. We're at the gates. And he looks at each of us individually and says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? And if it's, well, you know, I'm, I've been a pretty good person. Or I go to church on a regular basis. Or, or, or I read the Bible and I pray sometimes. I, I grew up in church. My parents told me I was saved, Right? Or maybe your answer would just be, I'm not really sure why you should let me into your heaven. Guys, guys I'm telling you right now, there, there is one answer and only one right answer to that question. If God was to say, why should I let you into my heaven? The only right answer is, well, God, when I was, for me, six years old, I went and I prayed to you and I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't do this on my own. I want to enter into this life-changing relationship with you. That's what gets you into heaven. That life-changing relationship with Christ and only Christ can get you into heaven. You have to enter it into that relationship. That's what does it. And Jesus says, he makes some promises. If, if that is your answer and you know that for sure, here's some promises Jesus tells us in the scripture. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on that last day. Did you get that? He said, if you have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you had entered into a relationship with me, he says, I will lose none of them. None of them. It doesn't matter if maybe you've been confused at times about your relationship with Christ. It doesn't matter if times you felt distant from Christ. It doesn't matter if at times you screwed up in the things of Christ. No, if you are in a relationship with Christ, if you've entered into that relationship at any time in your life, God says, Jesus says right here, I shall lose none of them. And here's the deal. I want to I encourage you with, guys, for, for me, and I'm, and I'm sure for you the same way, I really want to trust, I'm going to trust Jesus' hold on me 
a whole lot more than I'm going to trust my hold on him. If he promises to never lose me, then I'm confident he will never lose me. Because here's the key, the last thing on your notes. Here's the thing. Key thought. The bread of life will never go bad. Right? Jesus Christ is always going to be there for us. He says, I- I'm the bread of life. I can nourish you. I can satisfy you. I can sustain you. Nothing else in our lives can do that. Only he can do that. Do me a favor. If you, if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me for a second.